let's open up our Bibles to Romans 6. Romans 6 verse 3. Romans 6 verse 3 says this, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus have been baptised into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. If we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is free from sin." This is a powerful, powerful scripture that we've just read here. Uh, we're talking about baptism because today we're going to some funerals, but they're going to be happy funerals. We're literally going to be burying what the, old, what the Bible says is the old men. So we're going to have a whole lot of old men floating around in Genizano Pool this afternoon. Bit of a gross thought. Um, but the, <laughs> whole bunch of invisible old men or the old self, as the Bible says. And um, we're going to be burying them. So it's a funeral. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a time of celebration. But as we know, to have an old man, to have somebody to bury, you have to have a new man. And um, so these people that are being baptised today have come into that experience. They understand that they've become new in themselves, that something fresh and new and different has happened on the inside. And they've experienced the life of Jesus on the inside of them. Um, we know that water baptism is not just a ritual. It's not just a meaningful ceremony, but it is an absolute expression um, of, of the life that we have as New Testament believers. And so it's a, it's a powerful thing to do. In fact, it was one of the commandments that Jesus gave. He said, go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So there's a powerful significance in baptism. And so we celebrate that today. When we read about the beginning of the early church in the book of Acts, the very the story that talks to us about how the church started on the earth after Jesus had had uh, raised and was glorified and taken up to heaven, we read the account in Acts two thirty eight. It says here, Peter said to them, "Repent." And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so. Straight away, even at the very beginning of the church, Peter stands up and says, you need to repent, get right with God. But then straight away, as soon as you've done that, you need to be baptised. And then as soon as that happens, then receive a gift that the Father from heaven has for you. In fact, in Luke 24, 49, he said, he, Jesus had said to them, make sure you wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift that the Father has promised from heaven, which is the, the Holy Spirit. And so this was a significant moment in the, in the life of uh, the, the New Testament believers and in the early church when we see the entrance of the kingdom of heaven coming into humanity and to mankind for the very first time on planet earth. This was a really significant moment. And so baptism was right up there with one of the most significant ceremonies or things that needed to be established in the life of the believer. And so it is now. And you'll see cross-denominationally, baptism is there. It's one of the, the sacraments or it's one of the established rituals in the Christian church. Now, different denominations, there are different belief systems around baptism. But in essence, when you do it in the name, as Jesus said, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit or the Lord Jesus Christ, you are baptised. As to the inner workings, the outer workings, in the end, that's up to God to, to know the absolute truth on it. 
But this is a powerful uh, establishment of, of the purpose of God in our lives as believers. And it's a very significant thing that we are commanded to do. It's not just a, do I want to or don't I want to? No, repent and then be baptised and then receive. So this is something really powerful that we're going to be doing today. It says, when it's done, it is by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does something significant. Romans 2.29 says, But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter, and his praise is not from men, but from God. So we're talking about a circumcision of the heart, which we'll read about in a minute. In the Old Testament, it was a physical circumcision, but in the New Testament, it's a circumcision of the heart. And so we see that here with baptism. Something is actually removed in baptism. Colossians 2 verse 11 says, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So something significant happens when you go down to the waters of baptism. Something is um, cut away from our hearts. It's cut away from our, from our very being, and it's a powerful thing. I love to use the, the illustration, and it's actually in 1 Corinthians. You might want to go there. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. And it's a powerful picture. And I always remember when Brahma and I were first baptised, and if you did DMS, you will have heard me tell this story, that this was how the pastor explained it to Brahma and I. Because you don't need a PhD or a Bible college degree to understand baptism. It's just merely an act of obedience. That's all it is. It's purely an act of surrender to the truth of the Word of God. And we don't have to understand it fully as long as we're obeying. That's, that's all that matters to God. But um, here's an incredible picture that my pastor told to Brahm and I when we were trying to understand why do we need to get baptised because I got christened as a baby by my mum and dad in the Anglican church. So why do I have to be baptised? And, um, and so he read the scripture to me and he explained the story to me. And this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptised into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And so this is a picture right here of something that was established even in the Old Testament. Now when it talks about into Moses, it's not talking about Moses as the person, it's talking about whenever Moses or the Old Covenant was read. So it's talking about when the people that were in Moses, that they were being led by the law, the Old Testament law, this is what happened to them. And um, it's, it's an amazing picture because he's talking about when the children of Israel were in slavery in Egypt, and some of us know the story, some of us don't, but just, for, just to give a brief summary, they were in slavery in Egypt, and they were the, the, the children of Israel, and God basically said, it's time for my people to go. And so there were many miracles that were done to, to demonstrate the power of God. And finally, Pharaoh wouldn't let them go, Pharaoh who was holding them, because they were their slaves. He was their master and they were his slaves. And he liked having them there because they were doing all the work for Egypt to make them wealthy. And so finally, after all the plagues had happened and different things had happened, finally the last one was that the angel of death went out and took the firstborn of everybody throughout Egypt. But to protect the Israelites, they said to them, now what I want you to do is to kill a lamb, put the blood of the lamb over the doorposts, and then when the angel of death goes over and passes over, then you will be protected and you will be saved. 
And so that's exactly what happened. All the people of Israel were protected because of the blood of the Lamb. And that's where we get, you hear the terminology, the Passover. It was the blood of, it was the angel of death passing over because of the blood of the Lamb. Well, that was a typology or a picture, a symbol of who Jesus was and what He did for us. His blood was shed for us. He was the Lamb, the perfect Lamb of God, the unblemished Lamb of God. We don't have to keep sacrificing lambs to be protected from spiritual death. We have a, a Saviour who once and for all was that Lamb of God and He did the work for us. And so it's a picture of the Passover, of death passing over us. So now when we die a physical death, we won't die a spiritual death because we have been given life through Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? And this is what the Old Testament is a picture of towards us. It's symbolic of what was to come, of the new covenant. So here we have the children of Israel, they've, they've gone through the Passover, the angel of death has passed over the blood of the Lamb protecting them and they've come out of, this, of slavery. They are now no longer, they've been released by, by Pharaoh. They're allowed to go. So they're no longer in bondage, yeah? This is what's happened now. In, uh, legally speaking, they've been freed. He said, okay, go. And so off they go, they're released. And they're coming towards the Red Sea and they're going through, and of course we know the story, especially if you've seen, what's the movie? The Ten Commandments. The Ten if you've seen the Ten Commandments, you'll know. And the, the sea, it, it parts. And they walk through. And it's the most, can you imagine being there, by the way? What would that have been like? That would have been quite, quite scary. I think it would have been terrifying, to be honest. I would have been like, I want to be up the front just in case the water started to close in from behind. But it was supernatural. They passed through and the seas were held back by the power of God and they went straight through. So as they're going through, they're getting to the other side and it was a supernatural thing. And Pharaoh suddenly realises what he's lost. He's lost all his work, his workmen and people that can work for him, all his slaves. So he gathers his army together and begins to race after them because he's like, hang on a sec, I actually don't know if I want to lose these guys. So he goes after them and what happens is they, as the children of Israel are coming out one side, Pharaoh and his, his army are starting to come in from another side because they, they come in at the tail end. And as they come through, the waters cover them up and bury them. And they're buried. They're buried. And this is the most incredible picture and typology for us as New Testament and New Covenant Christians of what it's like to be freed from an old master. You see, you've got to realise when they were freed by Pharaoh, they were free. When we're freed by the, the, the cross, we are free. We are no longer slaves to sin. The minute we believe and we receive, we are born again. We are a new creation. Our hearts, are, we have God on the inside of us. But then the old, the old master is now an old master and we have a new master. But the waters of baptism pretty much bury the old master and, and, and remove that old body of sin. And it tells us in, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Just write that scripture down, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the, the righteousness of God in him. This is just the most amazing, amazing picture that Jesus became the body of sin so that we could be free from our sin. All right, let's read Romans 6 verse 3, um, which is <clears throat> what I read before. 
Let's just read it again because when we're baptised, we're actually baptised in three aspects of Jesus, which is his death, number one, his burial, number two, and his resurrection, number three. So we see in Romans 6 verse 3, which we read earlier, and let's just go over it again. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus have been baptised into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism. All right, so it's very specific here. It's telling us, it's linking the principle of water baptism here into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. Now, when was our old self crucified? When was it? I just heard someone say the right word. Salvation. It's not crucified in baptism. When was our old self crucified? It's when we believed. Is that right? We accepted the work of the cross. It says, so verse 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified. It was dealt with. It was, it was destroyed with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with. Wow. So that we would no longer be slaves, just like Israel. We'd no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is free from sin. See, to have an old man, you have to have a new man. And when you've got a new man, that means you've already been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And now the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So that's what it means. I now have a new life, which means I've got this old guy, this old turkey that I've got to deal with now. What do I do with him? I've got an old master that wants to use and utilise my flesh. And just like Pharaoh, he comes, he went after the children of Israel. We've got an old master that wants to hang around and wants to, wants to wreak havoc in our lives as believers. And that he will come after us. So that's why Jesus says straight away, as soon as you repent, well, he said it through Peter, as soon as you repent, then be baptised. Repentance is when you're crucified with Christ. Repentance is when you say, I can't do this anymore. I can't live this kind of life anymore on my own, in my own strength. I need Jesus. I need the power of the cross. And so we give everything to him. And then all of a sudden we're, we're renewed on the inside. There's something fresh and new on the inside. We've been born from above. The Spirit of God is on the inside of us. But now there's this old man the Bible talks about. And so the Bible then says, well, then be baptised. Just like, just like there had to be a washing away of sin in the Old Testament and all the rituals, just like there had to be a washing away and, and a burying under the Red Sea of the old master so that he couldn't pursue Israel. The same thing, we have to bury the old man. And that's when it's circumcised and cut away from us. Everything dead is literally cut away from us. You know, when Brahma and I were, we were water baptised, we'd actually been Christians. I won't say saved because we didn't know what it, I didn't know that word and I didn't know what it meant. All I knew was I'd become a Christian, even though that was kind of confusing to me because I figured I'd grown up Christian. I lived in Australia, didn't I? I, I must be a Christian. I was dropped off at, at Sunday school when I was a kid. I must be a Christian, but I realised I didn't have a real relationship with Jesus. So that didn't happen until I was 19. So when, when we really began to pray to Jesus, I was 19, nearly 20. But it wasn't for another year and a half 
until we started going to a church, someone invited us to a church, and that's when we were actually told that we needed to be baptised. And up until that point, did we love Jesus? Absolutely. Did we have the Spirit of God in us? Of course we did. You can't say that Jesus Christ is Lord without having the Holy Spirit in you. You can't, you can't do that. And uh, of course I had, was I saved in, as far as salvation goes? Absolutely. Was, were Brahma and I sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption? Absolutely, because our spirits were one with his spirit. But it wasn't until someone talked to us about water baptism that we understood and we thought, okay, well, that's an easy picture for me to understand, that I've got to bury this old master. So that's why we went, we, we were water baptised and uh, at the same time baptised in the Holy Spirit and began to pray in tongues and, and that's another, another story. But that was absolutely incredible. But I could honestly say that that was the turning point for Brahm and I. Our lives, both of us, grew in God exponentially after that point. I look back on that and go, I don't know if it was the water baptism or the baptism in the Holy Spirit. All I know is both combined, whatever it was, something profound happened. Something was cut away. Every, and as I go on in the Lord, and as I, I used to think it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but as I go on in the Word of God and as I grow, I actually believe it was probably the water baptism because there was a cutting away of stuff that still wanted to hold on to Brahman I. Up until that point, we still were pursuing a singing career and we were going on television trying to do all sorts of things when we got back to Australia and, you know, contacting top producers and all, just all this stuff, really trying. We, we wanted so much to pursue, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's what was happening. And then after we were water baptised, something profound, it was like literally a circumcision of our hearts. Isn't that true, Brahm? Something was cut away and both of us looked at each other and said, we never want to sing for ourselves again. We don't, we want to do this ever again. And um, it was just the most, it was something in our hearts. Now, we didn't know. Remember, we hadn't even started going to church when we were water baptised. We were taken to the pastor's house. And um, we hadn't even started going to church. We didn't know our Bibles. We didn't know what the Bible said. There was literally a spiritual transaction. And I'm so thankful that we had a pastor back then who was very, well, he wasn't our pastor back then. We were introduced to him the day we got baptised. But I'm so thankful that he kept us so simple. And he just used a simple picture for us to understand. But experientially, regardless of the picture that he used, experientially, it was transformative for Brahm and I. And it released us into something powerful. So today, those of you who are being baptised, the old man is being circumcised and cut away. It's powerful. It is very powerful. Just like Israel, you're no longer slaves to sin and therefore this stuff can't follow you. So the blood of Jesus, well, let's remember this, the blood of Jesus redeems and justifies and cleanses me, but baptism is where I bury the old man. That's where the circumcision happens. Colossians 2 verse 11 says this, And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. In the removal, okay, remember this, in the removal or by the removal of the body of the flesh. How? By the cross? By salvation, no. By the circumcision of Christ. When? Having been buried with him in baptism. Okay, so something significant happens. In which you were also raised up with him through faith 
in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the circumcision, uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Very powerful. So, you know, we, we identify with his death. We also identify with his burial. So this is telling us here that we are buried through baptism. And that's when there's the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ being buried with him in, in baptism. But it's not just a death and it's not just the resurrection that we identify with. Uh, sorry, it's not just the burial, but it's the resurrection. So the resurrection is powerful. So we can ask the question, well, will I sin less? Well, no, the Bible says if you say you're not, you never sin, then you're a liar. Um, because none of us will ever be perfect and completely free from sin until the day we die. But, you know, Jesus says, but if you sin, you just confess and the blood of Jesus is faithful to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And that's the stance that we have. However, there is a stance that we can take with God. And this is, this is what the world is craving for. This is what people out there need. See, human beings are not created to live with guilt. They're not created to live. We can't take the burden of grief. We can't carry the burden of despair. We can't carry the burden of devastation and loss. We're not created for that. We were created in the image of God, and so therefore we're meant to live with God. And so all of this provides for us to live in a life of resurrection power. So Colossians 3 verse 1 says this, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ... Keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Whew. So resurrection life is a position and it's a perspective. I preached it was last Sunday, Easter Sunday. I'm getting confused. Uh, every, every day is a blur to me at the moment. Too much is happening. I talked about this last week, about living you know, on the other side of the cross. If you weren't here, go and listen to the podcast. And um, you know, it's, we, we are called to live on this side of the cross experientially, not just mentally, not just mentally ascending to it, but actually experiencing the death of the curse, the death of sin in our lives, the death of the power of the old master of sin in our lives. That's where we're meant to live. And so therefore, the way to do that is to keep seeking the things above and to set our mind on the things above. Galatians 3, 27, here's another great scripture for you. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Isn't that powerful? So, we're burying an old master today, yeah, which is exciting. It's so powerful because we realise that Jesus came down to take on our humanity. We go down because of his death, his burial and his resurrection. We then identify with his death, with his burial and with his resurrection. So he takes on, he took on our humanity so that we could take on his divinity. Whoo! How can I say that biblically? Well, this is why. 2 Peter 1.2 says this, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life 
and godliness. Did you see that? Everything. Is it possible to live in the resurrected life? Yeah. Why? I just read it. His divine power, not our experiences, not our lives, not our circumstances, but His divine power has granted to us everything, everything that we need that is pertaining to life and to godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these, He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises. All right, he's given us the word of God, his promises, so that by them, now you ready for this, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. We become partakers of the divine nature of God. This is the life that God invites us into. It's so simple. Repent. That's where we, you know, in salvation we accept Christ's death, his burial and his resurrection. But in baptism, Water baptism, we are participating and identifying with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It's amazing. By baptism, we declare ourselves as dead. We say, I'm dead. I'm dead. The life that I and I live in this flesh, I live only by faith in the Son of God. By immersion, we bury the dead. We're going down into the waters of baptism. We're burying. Just like Pharaoh, the old master, in the Red Sea. And the powerful thing is that when we're raised up out of the water, we rise to walk in newness of life. And you know what? I know my experience and Brahm's experience is purely subjective, but I'm here to testify that here we are 40 years later that we've experienced exactly that. That we've experienced walking in newness of life every day. We live on this side of the cross every day of our lives. Sometimes we want to slip back here, but we remind ourselves who we are, what he's done, and that we're dead, and that the life that we live is actually purely by faith in the Son of God. Powerful, powerful stuff. So, for all of you being baptised today, and there might even be some of you here that actually want to get baptised today anyway, and if you do, we've got extra clothes. We've brought extra towels. We've got extra shorts, T-shirts, everything. Hey, last time we did this, we had an extra eight people, I think, put their hands up in the congregation that joined in and got baptised. But for those of you who are being water baptised today, just keep going forward, searching and pursuing the things from above. Just like the children of Israel after the, the Red Sea. There's no going back, guys. We're moving full steam ahead. They've moved full steam ahead into their destiny, into their identity. So I love that scripture. You know, set your mind. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is and set your mind on the things above. So what are we to set our mind on? It's interesting if you look up. I just want to give you two things for us to realise and this is what I want you to take home with you today. So I've, I've explained a little bit about water baptism and contextualise what we're doing today. And if we, if we can hang around, I'd really love it for, for any of us to be able to go and just cheer these guys on because um, we're celebrating uh, something really powerful that's going to be happening today for them. And they're going to be prophesied over and all that sort of thing. But also after baptism, I want us to remember what do we do after we're baptised? Yeah? Because we wash away, we're washing away the old, the old man putting it off, we've clothed ourselves with Christ and um, we're free to walk in newness of life 
But then what do we do? Well, we, we have the answers right here, is to keep seeking the things above. This is a decision. This is the part that we play. On, this, on our side, on the right side of the cross, this is the part that we play. We have to keep seeking the things above. We have to keep setting our mind on the things above. And um, it's interesting when you, when you look at some of the references in Scripture, when, when Jesus mentioned um, setting our mind on something, it's to do in, in Matthew 16, and I'll give you the Scriptures, Matthew 16, 21 to 23, and it says here, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Peter took him aside. And began to rebuke him. So this is Peter who, you know, last week we heard was terrified of a couple of slave girls, is, you know, very confident about things, rebuking Jesus. Like this guy, is, he's, he's this emotional up and down kind of person. You know, he's not the stable, steady sort of personality. He's a very emotional, intense, you know, this kind of, this kind of guy. And here he is now, really bold, telling, telling Jesus, hey, you know, this will never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Now he's speaking to the person behind the person. He's speaking, Satan is not Peter. He's not calling Peter Satan. He's speaking to the thought process that, that Peter's believing in. But he says, you are a stumbling block to me for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but on man's. So we can see here, what does it look like moving forward after water baptism? What does that look like? All you guys getting, baptism, getting baptized today? Set your mind on God's interests, not on man's. This is something that every single day we have to choose to do. Not to put our interests in our own self. You know, Peter was basically saying, hey, Jesus, we're not going to let that happen to you. And, and Jesus is saying, hey, I'm not into self-preservation here. I'm not into looking after myself and thinking about what's going to be good for, for number one, for me. Isn't that, isn't that the majority of what happens as human beings? We look after ourselves first. But that's man's interests. That's not God's interests. God's interests are different. They're completely the opposite. They say, lay down your life. Take up your cross daily. Surrender everything. Die to your flesh. That's God's interests. And so we've got to set our mind on God's interest. And that is a choice every single day in our relationships, in our workplaces, in our homes, with our families, with our siblings, our parents, our, our spouses, our marriages, our children, every aspect of life with the law, with the police, with authorities, with the government. Set your mind on God's interests, not on man's. Because the only way to really walk a blessed life, I can tell you now, the, the time that Brahma and I always experience the blessing of God is when we set our minds on God's interests and we die to our own, on man's interests. And that's not easy because our flesh wants to pull us back that way. So that's number one, set your mind on God's interests. But number two, don't set your mind on earthly things. So let me read another scripture here. Uh, Philippians 3 verse 17 through to verse 20 says this. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite. Now that doesn't just mean like, 
food appetite. It's, a, it's a, an appetite of their soul, their ego, their heart. And whose glory is, is their shame, is in their shame. Who set their minds on earthly things. Interesting. So here's that phrase again, setting your minds. So we're to set our mind on God's interests, but we're not to set our minds on earthly things. Verse 20, why? Because our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. This is powerful. See, we are aliens in this world. That's what the Bible says. That's not my terminology. That's biblical language. We are aliens and exiles in this world. We belong to another kingdom. We are here. While we are here, the Bible says our lives are but a mist. We're here and then we're gone. Isn't that true? You know, I, my dad passed away last year, as many of you know, and I, it still stuns me to think that it, was so, it seemed so fast. I remember when I was a little girl with him, and yet here he is now, he's gone. And that, that magnificent man who was my father will never be again on this earth. And it's like, wow, just, just like that, every single person has gone. And, um, you know, when you read back over the Old Testament and, and you hear all these, these names that are mentioned, all those people, they're gone now. Every single person that you read about, that you hear about, it's, it's, there were significant people that were named in the Bible and yet now they're gone. Even if they did great things for God, they're gone. So our lives are so short. Um, but our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is in heaven. And so that's why it's so important. If we want to live a victorious life, an abundant life, see, I believe that's the key to an abundant life. It's not the prosperity gospel that you're going to live with wealth and blessing and success. No, you might be like my, my brethren in Ambon who were, who were murdered for their faith. But they had the abundant life of living and giving their lives as martyrs. So we've got to get a real correct theology on what it is to, to walk in an abundant life with Jesus and uh, to walk out this life that God has called us to walk out. But when we know that our citizenship is in heaven, then we won't want to set our mind on earthly things. Now, does that mean we walk around being so, you know, spiritually minded that we're no earthly good, as the old saying goes? No, we can't be space cadets. You know, we don't want to be weird, super spiritual, weird people. Of course, we have to do earthly things. We have to live in this world. We have to obey the rules of the land. We have to, you know, all sorts of things that the Bible makes very clear. When you look at the whole wisdom and narrative of Scripture and the New Testament, you realise, no, this, this is not an excuse for me to check out of this life and kind of just go, oh, I don't, want to, I don't want to worry about earthly things. No. In fact, the more spiritual you are, the more naturally spiritual you'll be, the more powerful you'll be living this life. And... Um, and so we're called to be people on this earth that live out our lives. But in our hearts, these things aren't our idols. In our minds and in our experience, these things don't hold on to us. We've let them go. The life that we now live in the flesh, we live how? By faith in the Son of God. Awesome. 1 John 2.15 says this through to verse 17. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and this is a powerful little phrase here, number one, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. It's not from the Father, but it's from the world. 
The world is passing away and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Amazing. I'm going to preach on that one day. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. That's what it means to love the world. To not be caught up in what this world offers. To live in it, to be good stewards of the world and the earth and everything in it. To love one another, to display the love of Christ. But ultimately we're here to live as Christians and to remember that our citizenship is in heaven. Amen? Awesome. Well, who's ready to get baptised? Um, is there anyone else who wants to jump in today? We've got, if you've forgotten any of your clothes as well, we've got extras. Anyone want to be baptised? Want to bury their old man? Anyone else? Just let us know at the end of the service. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and we're going to finish with a song and uh, we'll pray. And maybe what I'll do is I'll get all those being baptised just to stand where they are. We're going to pray for them now. And, um, and then in about half an hour, We'll all go out, but that gives us a good time to go and have something to eat and drink. What do you reckon? All right, who's getting baptised today? Stand up and we're going to pray for you. This is exciting. Yeah. Awesome. Woo. Amazing. Awesome. All right. Well... Get ready for newness of life, for something exciting that's about to happen in your lives. For those around these people, just lay hands on them. We're going to pray. I can't wait to see what God's going to do with all you guys. Yeah, don't sit down again in ish. <laughs> Everyone's, yeah, lay hands on them. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for this amazing moment today. We thank you, God, that these people are going to bury and uh, bury that old part of their lives, Father. Bury that old master, that old body of sin, Lord. And we're going to see something fresh and new. Uh, Lord, they're going to rise up and walk in newness of life, Heavenly Father. I thank You, Father, for the power of God that is by the Spirit of God who is doing this work in Jesus' Name. So Lord, we, we commend them to You now. Father, we pray a great blessing over every single one of them. Lord, that this would be merely a beginning, Lord, of the next, however long their life is, Heavenly Father. They would live lives that truly glorify You in every, every part of their being, Father, that they would glorify You. Lord, take their lives and what they are now. Turn them into radical believers for You. Father, let their gifts begin to grow. Let, their, let, let the anointings that You're placing on their lives, let them begin to be displayed. Heavenly Father, let there be a release of the prophetic call over Inesh, Lord God. Father, I pray also for uh, these other ones. Lord God, for Jackson, Father, I pray for that, um, that, that pastoral anointing on his life, Heavenly Father. Over Sharmany, Lord, I pray for the teaching gift. Father, that ability to be able to see and dissect the Word of God. Let it begin to be released in Jesus' Name. Father, over Paul, I pray, Heavenly Father, for a radical prophetic anointing and apostolic call to be released on his life. Heavenly Father, I pray for my brother at the back. Sorry, I can't remember his name. What's your name? Joseph, Father, I pray for Joseph, Lord God. Father, that that shepherd's heart would be revealed and would yes, be Lord. just explored within his life, Heavenly Father. And Father, I pray over here for Alinta, Lord God. Oh, Father, I pray for that pastoral call and that prophetic insight in her life. Also, Heavenly Father, release the Lord Jesus. Release the gifts. And Father, I pray over here for Hudson. 
Father, I thank You, Lord, for this young man who's only so young, but he has such an anointing on his life for leadership and for, for the prophetic, Father, for insight in the Word of God. Father, raise him up and release him, Lord. Release all these giftings for the glory of Your, of your Kingdom. And Father, I pray also for Darren. I'm so clever, I can remember everyone's names. This is amazing. I can't even remember my children's names half the time. Lord, I pray for Darren. Um, Lord, I pray, Father, that there would be such a strength and a stability imparted into him that there would be no going to the left or the right. But Father, he would be strong and he would move forward. And Lord, that teaching gift, that pastoral side of him, Father, that analytical side would be released, Father, for the glory of your kingdom. Oh, Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for your goodness in our lives, Lord Jesus.